Hi, this is Florian uh, with 99 Startups, and I have today a new guest. So would you be so kind to introduce yourself? Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, Florian. Uh, my name is Jens Pilz. Um, at the moment, I am working from Sennheiser. Before, I was a researcher for Fraunhofer Heinrich Herz Institute in Berlin uh, on the topic of 5G. Um, I started there after I finished studying uh, physics at the TU Berlin. Yeah, I'm very interested in the digital domain and networks. I'm, well, I, since I was six, I sit in front of these uh, computers, these PCs, and I did everything from the first um, yeah, Commodore Atari stuff bis today or until today. And um, yeah, so I'm uh, what you would call a digital native, I guess. Awesome. So you are here because I learned something from you. Um, I had the perception uh, that like uh, 5G is just a follow-up from 4G and just means it's a higher speed and a lower latency. And you explained to me the last time we spoke and that this is um, not a complete picture. So uh, would you be so kind and uh, explain also to uh, my audience uh, what 5G is? Yeah, <laughs> that's certainly true that this is uh, just one part of the story. But uh, before I go into the topic, I want to, to explain something since I have maybe not the whole complete picture of what 5G really is, what the technical standardization is, everything included. I have a, my opinion on what it is and I, I see it from a certain perspective. And um, since I'm coming from research, I had a The opportunity to look into certain different aspects and i could say i claim some understanding in a in a broader and wider sense on how does it fit in the in the overall picture of um, the digital age and um, computer networks and stuff like that so that is what what my recent answer and i'm thinking about the the question what is 5g since i don't know four years now at least. Yeah. Cool. Um, my recent answer is uh, 5G is what people in the, in the computer industry and especially in network um, engineering and data center um, development did for the last decade. So the last 10 years, what they all developed with virtualization, um, container stuff, um, software-defined network, network function virtualization, all that nice stuff which comes from this domain put into a mobile network and then you add some wireless to it. So <laughs> that is my answer at the moment. What is 5G? So that means it's just um, um, the using of the newest technology developments of all special fields, not only um, wireless communication, but also from all, for example, cloud developments. So how like how is it then defined like um if if someone says okay i explain to you what 5g is um how you would explain it for a kid for example uh, okay. that's a tricky question so so what is very prominent is the wireless interface that is what mobile or cellular networks stand for what is very prominent and what you use every day. You have your smartphone or your feature phone, if you think on the old networks. 
and you use it mainly um, back in the days you used it for telephony service. Um, yeah. uh, nowadays, it's more like data driven. And that's what, what you, you get in touch with, what is uh, the most prominent thing. Um, that is in 5G from a technological standpoint, it's not that different to 4G. There are some advancements and um, we could go into detail, but um, that's very technical stuff. What you don't see is what is happening after the base station. So um, your, your phone has a connection to a base station nearby. And after that, it's, it's a data network. And in a sense that you have it in, in data centers. So you have like switches, routers, uh, servers, stuff like that. But it's, it's not concentrated like in, the, in a data center where everything is close by. It's stretched out all over the country and sometimes even over the continent. So it's a completely different um, topology. And with that topology, there comes a lot of questions on how to handle it and of, for example, function placement or where one service runs physically on which machine and where it's located and how you get the data to that specific point. And so in a sense, you could say it's, it's like a stretched out data network. So it means like the 5G and not only means the standard of how the tower works, which communicates with your phone. And also sets a standard of what happens behind the, the, the tower and uh, try to standardize this whole communication network behind it. So this is the core of it? Yes, and that, that's what 5G mainly changed, in my opinion. Is in, I mean, in the 3G network, you, you, had a, you had also a huge definition on how the network is built, what, what entities, what function do you need? And it was usually very specialized hardware, specialized software, and it was one big blob, more or less. So you, you, if you are an operator, you go to, the, to one of the few companies who are able to build that thing, and you buy it, and then you deploy it. And um, you, you have like antennas all around the country. And in 4G, um, it was the same, but the, the focus of development was um, mostly for data services. So it's very, very efficient when it comes to internet-based traffic. But it's still uh, more or less a closed network and a big blob, I would say. So you have like very specialized hardware, you have a specialized tool, and it's, it's very uh, almost a vendor lock-in. It's, um, yeah. Since there are only a few companies who, who are able to build that stuff, it's a lot of engineering work. And you, you don't buy, usually you, you buy like the whole network. So you, uh, you, can, you can mix the components from different vendors, but um, you, you get like um, not only the antennas and base stations and the processing power, you get also optical equipment from these vendors and um, they help you set it up, configure and route and even operate. So sometimes there, um, there are operators who are, do not own any physical hardware anymore. It's all outsourced. Um, yeah, that's one point, definitely. Um, so it, it's a standard which helps to open up the market so that um, more players could supply technology for it? That, that's one of the things that happens in industry and happened heavily with, with the introduction of 5G is that um, the industry 
um, is looking at um, what can we do on commodity hardware. Do we really need the specialized stuff? So if you if you think of, about the, the, the data traffic coming from the phone to the base station, then you have some very specialized, um, we call it baseband processing. Um, but this is usually software. And this software could run on a commodity hardware and not on specialized hardware. That was one of the first introductions or, or ideas. And then it's it goes through the network. Since everything is now um, created or developed in the standard under the paradigm on what the data centers did, and they use like commodity hardware. They don't want specialized stuff apart from very specialized cloud applications um, because it scales better. It's yeah. easier to 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 source. Um, you can you can deploy it. Everything. There are a lot of manufacturers and. Um, uh, there are also every software runs on it and you have a whole ecosystem which is far, far bigger than what, what the mobile operators are um, used to. And this was a big difference in 5G. 5G opened up uh, more or less the network to those ideas. On the one hand, um, one of the, the names or, or topics you could research is OpenRAN and um, ORAN and um, stuff like that. It's heavily discussed also in your media, if you look closely. Um, and, and one of the other things is um, w what isn't possible in 4G or was very difficult for example, outside um, service provider like a Netflix or an Amazon is to gain access to information within the mobile network. So okay. they don't know how, for example, the quality to a certain end device is when it comes to data transmission, how many packets are lost, how is the latency. So they needed to put um, their own protocols on top to measure that somehow. And with 5G, there are standardized interfaces into the network to gain these kind of informations. So what, what the standard does is open up the information usually only the operator had access to. And now everybody who well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people who develop um, applications can now tailor it to um, the use case of mobile um, since they have their standardized um, interfaces to the, to the network and the information in the network and also requesting that the network changes its behavior according to your service. And that's a completely paradigm shift in the, um, in the mobile network thinking. Yeah, so it gives way more um, possibilities and uh, uh, opens up chances for um, non-mobile providers. Um, what, I, what I would like to understand better is, um, I understood that you said um, using electronic from the shelf uh, gives quite a lot of benefits uh, to the one which can use it. So cheaper prices, more ability to get replacements and for yeah. example. But if if this is so well opened up and so so you are able now to use a standard electronics, um, why there's so much discussions that like there are only the four or three big um, 5G providers like the discussion if you sh could or should use Huawei or if you should or could use uh, Sony Ericsson, for example. Yeah. Um, that, that's 
the thing, there are political powers in play here. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're an operator, you want to cut down your costs. Yeah. You don't want to, you want to have a choice. You want to switch out equipment. If it fails, you, you want to have um, not very specialized um, stuff with a bunch of companies and actually are in the world when it comes to equipment manufacturing for mobile networks. It's Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei, ZTE. I'm not sure if NEC in Japan is still actively producing their own stuff. Ah, Samsung is new in the market with 5G. Yeah. And um, there's a, a whole different story on that regard when it comes to, to um, vendors and, and operating stuff, um, selling equipment. Um, there are new players coming into play and that kind of um, re revives the market. So it's, and now the question is on the table okay how to how can we earn money um when there's new competition and what i see or what i think is um, that's also what is 5g the answer is the money is not in where you currently think it is so it's not faster downloads or, or higher speeds um or the marketing you you see in the media and in the operators that's the first step of 5g and that's um why 5G first entered the market, it was implemented on top of the 4G network. So they, they only switched out or added new antennas. And that's something you need high expertise for it. And this is um, what these companies I mentioned before are very, very good at. Yeah. Okay. So their, their, their expertise is more in what happens directly after the antenna, maybe not the physical antenna. Usually they have other suppliers there, but... In 5G, it's tightly coupled. So the antenna and the, the baseband processing is um, needs to understand each other. Um, then we are talking about topics like massive MIMO and stuff like that. It needs to be well engineered and the expertise is in these companies. But after that, after you are more or less on an IP layer, um, you, can, you could use anything um, on the market. And um, since the uh, most of the processing is also in software, um, this is where it comes from. Okay, when I when I d have digital data coming from an antenna, so to say, and I'm processing in software, or I have software algorithms running on it. Why can't they run on commodity hardware? Yeah. So this gives quite potential for how you already said um, new companies coming in, trying out new things, and having more possibilities of. Um, of um, using it in a better way because it's open and standardized. Um, yes. What would you say are the um, the um, the leaders in this technology field so far, even if it's quite open? At the moment, that's not a prominent opinion since it's heavily discussed politically. Is who are way is definitely first and is leading from a technology standpoint. And um, it's it's hard to estimate from the outside because you you have to think um, if you are an operator you have I don't know a revenue of some billion dollars each year or each quarter and if you are going to to a Huawei or an Ericsson or Nokia and you ask for five G equipment there's a lot of money involved and if there are signed contracts usually a development can happen really fast because then you have a 
from the Nokia standpoint or from the Exxon standpoint, you have a customer who pays well, who needs a specific thing, and it's just implementation from that point also and, and de deployment. So since I, I would say Huawei is leading at the moment, it's not some, some in the industry or analysts claim it's about two years, but I would say if there are some strong effort and especially in the European vendors, they could close up very easily. It's not that, that difficult. What I see is um, there are new players entering the market and they are um, entering the market on a different aspect of 5G because what also changed with 5G is the possibility to include completely different industries. So it's not not anymore this the standard model of you have an operator a nationwide or um, operator who cooperates on the continent and he um, sells SIM cards to his customers and they buy some phones either um, on the free market or from the operator directly and they are coupled and all they want to do is have some voice calls and some WhatsApp chats and serve the web. Um, with 5G, um, it was the idea behind the mobile industry that they want to include these verticals. That's what they call them. And this also what is discussed um, heavily is the different use cases um, which are aiming for the verticals. It's ultra-reliable, low-latency communication and massive machine-type communication. And these are not really in the market yet and tackled yet. There are trials and there are um, a lot of stuff happening under the hood because it's a business-to-business -business, um, idea. So you wouldn't see much of it in the common well, realm of, of uh, media or what is happening so, so where would behind be, doors. What would be examples of uh, when and where it will be used, this kind of uh, technology um, or this kind of purpose to use it? Yeah, so, so one of the, the biggest leader in this um, domain is the Industry 4.0 um, guys, so Siemens, the Bosch and um, in Germany. Uh, because they want, they have this idea that they could deploy a private network in their production halls um, on, on the, the floors and, and control their their devices or the, the manufacturing devices uh, with it, and also gather some data. So they have a central network, more or less, um, on a standardized technology, and um, the data does not leave the company and all that stuff. So, so what's private? 5G network or non-public network. And this is also um, was, was introduced with 5G and um, it's also possible in 4G world. So you could build your own 4G network, but it, there are some deployed, um, but with 5G, it becomes a, a different scale. And also because um, from a regulatory standpoint, you get access to um, spectrum in Germany for that application. So you can go to the... Uh, Bundesnetzagentur and ask for, for a small fee, you get like um, your own license for operating your network. What kind of technology you use is up to you. But the idea behind is mainly to, to deploy, for example, a 5G network um, on different um, premises on your, in your company and have, don't have the hassle with, for example, Wi-Fi, unlicensed band and all that stuff. And um, so I know from certain trials and there are surveys. And the last one I, I heard, which was, was quite interesting because they were very eager to talk about it was Lufthansa Technik. 
um, they deployed in, in 5G network. I'm not sure it's a, it's a complete 5G network or it's somehow a, a hybrid form of, um, okay, 5G radio, but 4G core. But, but they, they said in one interview I, I heard was um, the KPIs, the technical KPIs were beyond their expectations. And they have full control over deployment of the network, connectivity, and devices, and um, the data. And that is very important for these kind of companies because it's highly sensitive data. If you think about what these people are doing and gathering and data, they don't want to send it over the uh, operator network. Yeah. So, and at the end, what the companies are aiming for is probably a lot of or big automation um, issue. So with the idea that like if you can control and measure the machines, you can probably automatically control the production at the end. Yes, yes, it's one of the use cases. Some of the use cases I, I read, and um, it's it's a gradual um, evolution. But since we are at that point, we are really at the starting of what could five G do and bring to this company, and this is completely. Um, without the involvement of the public. So they, they're doing what they need to do. They will assess it and um, they will probably decide if it's a feasible technology or not. And um, we will see how it develops. So it's very hard to, to say. And um, that's completely decoupled from um, what you do with your smartphone. So there will be yeah. like um, autonomous machines in a, in a floor um, driving around like like in the Amazon um, warehouses, yeah. Warehouses, yeah, right. Thank you. Um, where where no people are needed anymore, um, probably, and it's all controlled um, from a five G network, and it's um, well, they claim at least the mobile industry claims it's it's secure, it's efficient, and all that stuff. But this needs to be tested, and the market need to adopt it. Um, but I, but I see a lot of opportunities there. Definitely. Yeah. What What else, for example, opportunities uh, you see or you have? Uh, well, <laughs> if you could think, I, I mean, personally, for me, it's it's a hassle that my my smartphone always switches between Wi-Fi and cellular um, when I'm at home. I'm in the Wi-Fi network, and then when I go outside, it switches to cellular. Yeah. And if you ever had a call on a Wi-Fi calling. Um, service and you go outside the handover probably doesn't work um, yeah. so what you could imagine is that you um, get like currently you, you you buy a wi-fi router for your home or a, a couple of them if you have a big home um, what you could do with 5g is buy basically a 5g small cell and deploy it in your own home and then your phone would switch over um, seamlessly and it's you don't need any Wi-Fi connection anymore. That's, for example, one possibility. Um, if it's feasible, if it's well, if the market accepts these kinds of use cases, I don't know. Um, for me, it, it has because I'm very interested in the technology. I would try it out if it's within a um, reasonable price range. And yeah. cost is definitely a factor. The industry has to think about it. Um, not everybody can buy a cellular base station usually in the ten thousands um but if it's if it's more like in the form factor and in the power uh, processing power domain of a, of a commodity router um that's definitely something i would think of yeah, and it's also the typical um 
way of technology development. So at the beginning, the first tryouts are really expensive. So the first computers were super expensive. Yeah. But then through standardization, what you always said, like if you use a lot of things from the shelf, which are quite easy available, you can um, run down the price a lot. So and if the and then if the software is the only one software, the only thing left which is kind of expensive, then this is also um, manageable. So it could be a scenario where in the future uh, a base station costs only I don't know similar to an iPhone, then maybe <laughs> that would be um, feasible. Um, yeah. It's a, it's I, I would add. I would add some point there because you mentioned the iPhone. I mean, uh, the the iPhone 12 was launched, I think, last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably not many people watched the whole keynote of that. Um, but what happened, and what I also was made of or aware of from the outside, from one of the analysts I follow is that um, Apple introduced in every iPhone, in every market um, worldwide, the support for these frequencies for private networks. So if you buy an iPhone 12 today and you don't have a private network, you still could use it in the future in your private network. So they already prepared for this technology change or the, the opening up of this field. Exactly. And and what I see, what is starting is, um, and I'm not alone with this opinion, is, is the de- democratization of cellular technology. The same what happened with Wi-Fi. I mean, when Wi-Fi was introduced in the market, it was a, well, from, from our point of view nowadays, a very poorly um, communication standard. It was slow and it was bulky, but it was available for everyone. Yeah. And as you said, in the beginning, it was quite expensive and you need a dongle for your PC and you need a, the access point and it, um, also you need a supporting network because the access point were really dumb at the beginning. Um, but, it, but it democratized, in a sense, a wireless connectivity. And in, within a decade, it was everywhere. Yeah. And because the users... And that is one of the main points I see. The users were able to build the network. And if you do it in the cellular way also, if you enable every user on the world to build or to to buy equipment to add to the network, um, then it will explode. I I, I really think we, we don't have a feeling for it what could happen. And especially because we are here in Germany and usually we have a, well, kind of twisted view on what cellular technology is able to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the coverage here is, um, there, there's nothing nice to say about that. Um, the rest of the world is completely different. If you go to Asia, it's a completely different experience. And if the densification of the network happens because users are deploying like small sets or, or routers which are cellular and the network is that intelligence that it can handle everything. Um, we, we are just at the beginning of, of this process. So you mean it's kind of comparable to the beginnings of the internet. It was quite hard to imagine how it would be if everyone were using it and it would be easy to use and easy access uh, to access. So you mean we are out of this technology perspective on a similar starting point in the history of um, communication I, I really, technology. I, I really hope though, so, because what 
what will what needs to be happen is that not a certain well big companies like a telecom a telefonica or uh, what the name are um, all around the world have the authority on how this technology is deployed um if we move to a to a more democratic way on on deploying this kind of technologies and using it also um this could again it could be very fast and i'm hoping for it that new players enter the market they're offering new equipment and you get the 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 opportunity to use that equipment in a legal way because at the moment you can't do it really you could buy a lot of stuff in in asia but you can't operate it legally and um probably with 5g this also is changing so that you get yeah either you you buy a license from from your local authority or you, you um the the operators um develop new business models there's also one one aspect i see i see a lot of um on the horizon coming a lot of pain of growth so, so there needs to be um dramatic changes in the industry and um everybody is kind of fiddling around with new ideas and business models and um is not yet um well <laughs> the dice have not rolled yet yeah yeah that's but it was uh, the same on the beginning of the internet um there was also a lot yeah. of uh, un uncertainties so which makes it also uh interesting cool so my second last question for you would be uh what are your favorite books uh one of my favorite books is uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy <laughs> traditional yeah <laughs> it's very traditional and it's uh well i i read it in uh, in english actually when i first found it and i, I laughed my ass off <laughs> and um, then i i discovered uh, i think a year later or so that there is a whole series of it so i was very happy to buy every every book in the series oh there's uh, not only one book but there's no, there also five there are five. Oh, yeah. interesting <laughs> I did also didn't know that. Yeah, quite cool. Yeah, um, that's also a good thing. Like, uh, you should, like it's always worth to reread uh, old classics. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. And um, the last question I, I have for you is: um, If you could go back in time to your eighteen-year-old self, what kind of advice would you give yourself, your younger self? Hmm. Oh, it's a tough one. Well, I'm, I'm in the thirties now, <laughs> um, but I would say there's a there's a book I, I came across lately. It was called "Fear the Fear and Do It Anyway," and I think that's a very good advice also to every young people to accept that there is an unknown and to not force your comfort zone to lean into the unknown and to, to embrace the discomfort because in the discomfort, there is a growth. If you're just cushing up yourself, you will not move forward. Yeah. Cool. Pretty, pretty cool advice. So, uh, Jens, thank you very much that, uh, you took time to talk, uh, with me about, uh, the interesting topic of 5g yeah thank you florian for being here and um if you have any more questions <laughs> you can call me every time thank you very much have a good day guys bye bye